Welcome to the podcast. It is Live Transform. Jim, Audrey, it's great to be together again and so glad you're with us in taking this journey. Yeah, I feel like today's going to be an amazing day. I'm set up Mm -hmm. anticipating an incredible topic here, you know, really talking about Jesus being that ultimate portal and having our friend Dr. Jim Richards here. What an honor. Jim, so good. Yay! All the time. I do have. It's true. He's with us today. <laughs> I'm going to get that clap track working. Yeah, you know, we got to have we got to have some that. tracks like that. Yeah, yes, yeah. Yes, we've yes. got a laugh track too. We could use that quite a bit. We don't need that. We we, we provide all that. <laughs> yeah, I love that. We do all the laughing. Yes, we do. Oh, I'm not good. scared to laugh. I had such a good walk this morning. Okay. I caught the sunset. Oh, and, sunrise? Um, yeah, that's, I, I always call them all sunsets, but okay. one is a sunrise. So I caught the sunrise this morning and I was just thanking God. You know, a lot of times I go, wow, this is the day you've made. And I'm just thankful that the power of your love is energizing everything about me, where I'm walking. Just love your love, God. And then I just thanked him for... just a bunch of things like this and this and this and this. And then I thanked him for assurance and something happened in my being. I was like, I needed some assurance today that everything is going to be okay. And it just felt great. You know, Mm. I just, did you say, wait a minute. Did you say that it happened in your being? (laughs) Are you, are you full of beans today? And it happened in my beans and I felt so assured, but I just wanted Shut up, Jim. Oh, excuse me. That, I thought that was like inspiration that was bringing her something. Oh, my goodness. But I just wanted to mention the word assurance mm-hmm. because I we can actually feast on mm-hmm. assurance. There's a there's a banquet of God's goodness and promises. And yeah. if you can eat up some insur- assur- insurance assurance today, I just wanted to encourage you that someone might need that because I sure did yeah. this morning. It felt great mm-hmm. to just in, in just involve myself with the assurance that yeah. Jesus really, really has got this and he's got you. You know, one of the things, I, one of my old, old, old Jimisms that I used to say all the time yeah. was, was you know you know people try all these things to get relief and you know get through and da da da, da. Mm-hmm. and I'm like look here why don't you try this why don't you just try connecting with Jesus because if He just says good morning to you You're, it's going to change it's going to change everything in your thank world. you very much Jim <laughs> that's it that's all it takes yes. from Him that is exactly like and take time to commune and talk yep. and have a visit and if he says good morning it's it we're in it's golden mm-hmm. you know one of the interesting things about uh, the word of god is that any word that god speaks with within that word is the power that will work in you to fulfill it mm, interesting and so you know we we you know, Jesus told the Pharisees, here's something really interesting, by the way. Let me just put a parenthesis in there. You know, people don't realize as much as the Pharisees were such an incredible pain yeah. to Jesus, as much as they caused him persecution, the Pharisees was the sect of the Jew that actually ended up responding more positively to Jesus than any of the other sects. You don't ever read ever about this, any of the Sadducees ever getting saved. And, and I you know, never I, thought of that. I used to tell people this. I, you know, you know, I, I tell all these people, that it's like, you know, you guys, the, these fake grace people, you guys out here talking about how bad, you know, uh, uh, you know, obeying the commandments is. And it's like, you know what? I would rather be a legalist looking for Jesus 
than to be a leftist looking for Jesus. Because at least if you're a legalist, you do bring some sense of value and standards to it that you expect it to produce in your life. And, and if, you're a, if you're a leftist uh, uh, kind of Christian, a liberal kind of Christian, you're not really expecting anything other than just to get by with something. That's, that, that's all you're really expecting. So the Sadducees, you know, their legalism turned out working for them. One of, those, one of the scriptures that we condemn in the book of Romans, which I did it when I was a young preacher, where it says, well, by the law, I had the knowledge of sin. And we all talk about how bad that is. Like, whoa, mm-hmm. no, that's not bad. That's a really right. good thing. If I didn't realize that I was failing as a sinner, if I didn't realize I was failing to have the life that I wanted or hoped for, if I didn't realize that, I would have never had any incentive to pursue Jesus as passionately as I did because exactly. my, I, I had the proof that my life wasn't working. Yes. So, so you know, uh, so the Sadducees, they man, they never came around. There, like mm-hmm. I said, there was never any movement that I've ever read about uh, of Christians that grew out of the Sadducees, but there was this movement of growing out of, of, of the uh, Pharisees. Pharisees. Mm-hmm. But, it, but it's interesting, you know, in one place, and it might have even been the Sadducees that, that Jesus said this to him. My, my memory's a little fogged this morning about this. But anyhow, you remember where Jesus said, you search the scriptures looking for eternal life, and these very scriptures where you're trying to find eternal life, they speak of me, but yet you won't come to me. Right. Now, you know what? The, the, in the modern Christianity, we, as all of this liberalism has flooded the church, all this fake grace movement, we have moved, the church has moved from being predominantly Pharisees, if you will, Judaizers, to move into be Sadducees because now they don't expect anything. They don't expect the supernatural. They don't expect healing. They don't expect the Holy Spirit to do anything in their life. They don't expect transformation, and they don't even feel like they need it. Why well, expect it? Uh, because we, we don't really need it because it doesn't matter if we live in sin. It doesn't matter if we destroy our lives. It doesn't matter if we destroy our family. It doesn't matter if we destroy the people that we love. We, you know, we're, not, we're not looking for it. We're just saying, get me to heaven, and, uh, and I'm just going to sin and trust you to love me while I, while I do it. But, but, so, so the world, the religious world, has shifted to be more like the Sadducees now than, than, than like the, the Pharisees. And so the interesting thing is, you know, I was in a meeting. I, you know, some people just jump in. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Just a little bit. No, I'm, no, j- no, no. I'm jacked up here. No, so that's, I'm sorry. That's really good. But this was a and, and again, I, I want to just, you know, maybe bring a little context to this, I think. And it was that the Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection. And that was one of the big differences between the Pharisee Sadducees. Mm. And so, you know, when you make that statement about, you know, what's happening in the church today, you know, it's, it's, it's almost as though the, the believer doesn't believe in appropriating or experiencing the, the resurrected life that we have in Jesus. No, the passive, the passive liberal Christian has no expectation of experiencing anything and they have no intention of, of, trying to enter into a place where, where they can experience. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, if God did it, it's taken care of. Now, it don't help me. It doesn't benefit my life. Wow. You know, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, none of that matters. You know, I, I, got a, I got a message from somebody the other day, and they were just saying, 
Okay, since God loves the world, and the real truth is there wasn't any real reason for Jesus to die, so why are all these religious people talking about Jesus dying, and, and, and why would that matter? Now, this is a person who was in the ministry for, yeah. for probably 20 years and has reached such a liberal place mm -hmm. that, you know, that they're rejecting the resurrection of Jesus mm -hmm. and saying that, saying that it's meaningless. Mm -hmm. But uh, in, in our pursuit of God, people aren't really pursuing God. They, you know, most people aren't pursuing anything. It's just like, okay, if God did it, it's taken care of. I don't have to, I don't have to believe on nothing because Jesus already died for me. I don't have to accept him as Lord because he already died. So, you know, they get into ultimate reconciliation. They get into, you know, all of these goofy things that everybody's already saved. Even the devil's going to be saved and, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's crazy, 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 crazy stuff. But, uh, but then you flip over to the Christians that are still serious mm -hmm. and they are still really looking for God and to connect with God. The problem is they do not as a whole build their lives around connecting to Jesus right. personally. Mm. Mm. So they're connecting to Jesus informationally. Right, right. And they're doing what Jesus talked about. Like, you, you want to read these scriptures that all point to me. Mm -hmm. And if I read a scripture that points to Jesus and I just intellectually go, see, Jesus is the answer. Amen. The end. And then go, right. you know, then go eat, eat a hamburger. Right. Well, it's like, you know, uh, that didn't benefit. Really, that doesn't benefit me whatsoever because he says that scripture is about me. He said, but then you won't come to me. And so the idea, and see, this is part of the concept of light. Light, as we have talked about, light is not life. Light is something that shines on our path, shines in our heart to give us understanding, and it keeps us on track to see and recognize Jesus, you know, as we, as we interact with him. And so the scripture provides the light that could shine on the path that could lead us to him personally. And then we go to him personally and f and learn how to have this friendship with him and learn yes. how to connect yes. with him in the yes. area of lordship. But it's yeah. only through the personal connection that we experience this exchange of life. Yes. It doesn't happen just because we see the light. Interesting. So that's why I say. If you hear Jesus personally say good morning, right. you're going to have the best day you ever had in your right. whole life. Right. And if you had a few things that were on my heart about things I don't know about right now, there's some unknowns in my life, which I'm sure you guys as listeners are like, yeah, there's definitely some unknowns. I don't know how this yeah. is going to work. But for me to just talk to Jesus and say, I feel your assurance. It's just like, oh, yeah. well, then I have that little bit of a pit in my stomach that I woke up with that I don't have anymore because yeah. that just hearing it from you, Jesus, in a personal way to say good morning and let's have some time. And I just want to bring you that assurance. Wow. That changes yeah. my whole day. That's 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 my intention to say I'm in yeah. agreement with Jesus being real and being personal. And I'm going to give my attention to that rather than yeah. my attention to all the things that could be unknown. I'm going to bring my attention because when I look at something with that attention of 
God's in, Jesus loves me and he's in this. It changes the circum. It, it actually changes the circumstances. I'm realizing something lately, Jim, that cause and effect is so obvious to those who are in the material world from a physical point of view. But if we mm. really truly understood how cause and effect is applicable to our thought life and to our feelings and what we are bringing to our day and to the people around us, the cause and effect is just as real for creating, co-creating yep. our future with God. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, there we go. Did that, didn't we? Yeah. Well, we but we won't take this now. Yeah. It's okay. What's this got to do with coming to a place where you never fall? Right. You never get deceived. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, of course, you know, we have to realize that the number one warning for the times that we are living in. People say, so do you think we're in the end times? That's not the point. No. That is absolutely not the point. We are based on fulfillment of scriptural prophecy. And this is not where you have to strain to, to see that pro certain prophecies are being fulfilled. Right, right. But we very assuredly are in the beginning of sorrows. Mm. And so the greatest thing that we are warned about over and over and over again as we come into this time in world history is you got to be on your watch to avoid deception. I mean, mm. we are, Paul warns about this over and over. Jesus warns about this mm. over and over. And, uh, and really that even gets into like the theme of my book, Apocalypse, you know, the one thing that Jesus said more than anything else is, is uh, you got to hear my voice. Yeah. And, and you know, it says, you know, it, it says, if you, it, if he, him who has ears to hear, mm -hmm. let him hear. So mm -hmm. the number one commandment, obviously, is if I'm going to live in this day and age and not get into deception, I've got to know, recognize, and yield to the voice of God. Mm-hmm. But there's a process, you know, when I first got saved and this, you know, of course, Audrey, you grew up in church, you know, godly parents. So this might not have happened to you. Bob, it might have happened to you. But, you know, they used to tell us back in the late 60s and early 70s, you know, you get saved. They would say, well, just go, go read the book of John, book of Acts and listen. And whatever God tells you to do, do it. Right. And you're like, what? I don't I, How am I going? I had this conversation with somebody just the other day. How am I going to know it's God? I and mean, I don't know how to hear God. And so it, we're told to listen to God. So people just start jumping off in their vain imaginations and they're following their emotions, thinking that they're following God. Uh, and so, and so, yeah, that is true. Hear God and do whatever he says. But the problem is, if you, if you haven't, you, you know, learning the language of God is just like a baby learning a language. They learn, they start out with one word. The first word they learn, no. And as a believer, it's almost the same way. You don't start out with getting these these complex interactions with God. Now, I'm not saying he's not trying to do that. And I'm not saying that won't happen sometimes beyond the limits that you put on God. But, you know, I'll tell you this. When you start to do something that is destructive for you, you will always get a witness of. Mm -mm, yeah. No, nope. mm -mm. be careful. And, you know, if you don't trust that and respond to that, you don't move past that. Yeah. Because, you know, walking with God is a mystery. And a mystery is where we get, get for us, now a mystery in the world comes differently than it does with us. But the mystery of the kingdom is God's going to tell you up front the truth about everything you can expect. 
Now, in the world, in the secret organizations and, you know, occult movements of the world, they don't tell you the truth about what you can expect. They lie to you and they, you know, they they tell you you can expect everything to be wonderful and it's not going to be. It's going to get worse and darker and more corrupt and more immoral and more Mm -hmm. godless. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But the concept of a mystery is you make a commitment and you come into like an initiation phase. And in that initiation phase, uh, you can't really move on to anything else until you have mastered that level of where you are. And when you have mastered that level of where you are, then your heart becomes capable to moving into something else, something that that's more realistic, something that's more, maybe even more demanding, something that's more expansive, something that stretches your limits more. But it, but it's sort of like when you get saved, you you come in and you say, okay, I'm giving my life to the Lord. I'm going to follow my, you know, follow Jesus as Lord. Well, you actually, for the first time, have the capacity to perceive that there's a kingdom. It doesn't say you enter the kingdom. You can perceive. So that very first thing is there is a kingdom. So, so, so at the new birth, I'm, you know, I'm born again. I'm on my way to heaven, but I don't really know God. I met him. You know what I mean? I shook hands. Me and Jesus shook hands. But I, really, I really don't know him. don't know anything about him. don't know what's really supposed to be happening in my life. And so, so, you know, it's not the fact that God is holding you off and saying you got to earn entrance into the next level. It's, it's the fact that your heart, if your heart doesn't understand where you are, if your heart doesn't understand who you are, if your heart doesn't understand what's going on at where you are today, then your heart cannot understand the next step in your process. It can only, your heart can only give you understanding for where you are and what you're dealing with in this very moment in the present tense because mm. the heart and God are in the right now. They're not in the yeah. tomorrow. And they're Isn't not that the truth? Our heart and God is in the right now. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> so we want to start this journey. Go ahead, Bob. That, but also with that, there's that anticipation and that hope of a future. Oh, yeah. You know, within, within yeah. the heart. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and you know, going back again to this, you know, Pharisee Sadducee uh, illustration, I I think that you know when there's an anticipation and a hope, you know, of of the future, then it begins to draw me into, you yep. know, the these possibilities. Uh, today, I think we want to kind of go in this place where Jesus really is, you yeah. know, the one and only, you know, portal for us, you know. Yeah. Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, yeah. I am the light. So I think that's just, you know, what we want to, um, in the direction, you know, of today's yeah. podcast is really, Jesus, where are you, you know, mm-hmm. with me in my life? Because I, yeah. I can't afford to be deceived a, a moment yeah. in my day. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, uh, when I... Started going to church after I got saved, and I, and I gave my life to the Lord. And I, you know, I had read the entire New Testament before I ever went to church the first time because I'm like, I ain't believing nothing anybody says if I can't find it in the Bible. That was my that was my commitment coming in. And so <clears throat> every week, and now my pastor on Wednesday night would teach some, and he and he really was a pretty good teacher, honestly. And uh, I mean, you know, within the boundaries of. of the dom- denominational beliefs, you know, or denominational doctrine. So, uh, 
But every week he would pretty much teach from one of Jesus' parables of the kingdom. And he would always conclude the factors and the conditions woven into this parable to, to get the outcome that you want. He would always, and ever almost every preacher, denominational preacher ever heard, would turn a parable into the kingdom into a parable about how to get saved. Oh, interesting. Because, because to them, the kingdom of heaven, and you know, everybody says, well, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is synonymous. I'm like, well, wait a minute. Then you're saying the Bible wasn't inspired. No, that's not what I'm saying. Yeah, you are. Because, because if God used different words or anything, they obviously have different meanings. You know, like you, you, you go to the book of, of Luke, and a lot of it had to do with who they were talking to and the message that they were conveying. But you know, like Matthew, he uses the term kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God. He doesn't use them synonymously. So uh, it's, like, it's, like, it's like spirit, heart, and soul. I remember I went to, I went to my pastor. Man, I, I hadn't been saved but just a few months. I went to him. I said, I keep saying, I keep saying this word heart. I keep saying this word spirit, this word soul. I said, well, so, so, you know, what's the difference? Well, there's not really any difference. They're just synonyms. <laughs> there aren't synonyms in the Bible. You know, like we've talked about before, there are overlapping truths, but they're not synonyms. There's always the subtle differences. And if, and if God inspired a certain word, then that is the word that we've got to look at and see how it all fits together. So, you know, he just said, it, they, they all mean the same thing. Don't, don't, don't worry about it. You know, uh, so, <clears throat> so you know, you, you, you see these things about the heart. You hear these parables about the kingdom. So to them, the kingdom of heaven was about getting saved so you could go to heaven. It wasn't about heaven on earth. Mm -hmm. It wasn't about what happens in your heart. Uh, so, <clears throat> so, you know, over and over and over again, I would hear this these salvation messages i would think well that's great but they ain't everybody here everybody here has been coming to church here for a hundred years i'm pretty sure they're all born again so who's this message helping right, right. <laughs> so anyhow you know that set me out on this journey i started searching for what the kingdom of god was way i mean way back in the very beginning it was one of my early earliest pursuits other than the heart it was one of my earliest pursuits of wanting to understand a, a, you know, a, a big picture in, in the Bible. So, in in one of Jesus' parables, oh, oh I was going to say is this: if Jesus' teaching about the, the the kingdom of God, if that was about how to get saved, then Jesus totally contradicted himself every time he taught a parable. Hmm. Because in the parables, he would talk about how difficult it was to enter in the kingdom of God. But when talking about salvation, he would always talk about how easy it was. And and you know and you know this denominational church man, they were big on grace. I'm I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that I came into a good Baptist church. I would have never made if I'd come into a Pentecostal church. I said y'all crazy. I'm leaving. And that would been it. <laughs> that, uh, yeah. that would been the end of it. If I'd have gone to any kind of a legalistic church, I'd say y'all crazy. I'm leaving. Right. But, you know, they really emphasized the grace of God. Mm -hmm. But most Calvinists only understood grace as it applied to getting born again. That's true. They didn't understand grace beyond. And I, but I'm thankful for that mm -hmm. because it, it did help you. And for me, you know, I was so so literal about the word of God. It's like, OK, then if, I, and then if this is all by the grace of God, I really shouldn't be depending on works for mm -hmm. anything. Right. And that, that all works should come from grace that's in my heart. 
but not all works are from grace, you know. So yeah. I separated that legalism really, 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 really early on. So, you know, when Jesus would talk about how hard it was to enter the kingdom, he and, and you know, if you break it down and sort it out, you realize he is never talking about God making it hard. And in all of his parables where he explains these people that struggled and, and did selfish, wicked things, it always comes back to the fact that, tra that that the way of the Lord is only hard for the transgressor. Hmm. It's only hard for the person who will not come God's way. So there are two very interesting parables. If we want to get into this thing about never, you know, guarding your heart, never, never getting to see, never falling, then there's there are some foundational issues that we got to understand. Otherwise, we get the description of what we're talking about, but we do not understand the process. And that's why we always do foundations here about everything. Mm -hmm. So there's two really interesting parables. One is about uh, uh, the camel going through the eye of the needle. And, we, you know, we've talked about we've talked about that. And it's talking about it's talking about really going through a portal or a passageway mm. that is absolutely impossible, impossible yes. for man. It sounds like an impossible for man situation. Oh. Yeah, and then there was another time that Jesus talked about the 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 wide the broad path mm -hmm. that leads to destruction mm -hmm. and the narrow gate or portal that leads to life. Hmm. Now, when Jesus was teaching this, I can guarantee you that all of the people that had been instructed in the word of God. And, you know, even though, you know, people talk about these people being illiterate. I, no, you know, Jews uh, taught their children, you know, the Torah. And many of them could actually, most Jews were taught to memorize the first 70 Psalms. Now we can't even do that, hmm. but also <laughs> they, man, they studied the Torah so don't tell me that these were ignorant people. Don't tell me they couldn't read and write. They could because they were taught this stuff from childhood. Hmm. So, so when Jesus talks about the narrow gate uh, that leads to life and the, and the broad gate that leads to destruction, they understood his direct reference to a particular letter in the Hebrew alphabet. Now, we have talked about this over and over, but I'm going to say it again for those who might be with us and haven't been here long enough yeah. to get this. The Hebrew language, as far as I know, it is the only language in the world that if you understand it and you read a single word, you know that you, you come up with a definition, you come up with a concept, you come up with an idea, you come up with a picture. Mm -hmm. Now, all the other languages of the world the letters only do one thing. They tell you how to pronounce. Right. <laughs> yeah. There's no meaning behind them. No. No, there's absolutely right. no meaning behind right. them. Right. So you learn how to pronounce a word, but you don't right. know what it means. Right. In the Hebrew language, when you learn how to pronounce a word, it goes beyond that to many dimensions of what every single letter means and how. Don't you, you just know, you love know, that? It's amazing to me that oh, it's I the do. only mm -hmm. language so that beautiful. does that. It makes it just makes it more dimensional. I mean, we're talking about dimensions and portals, but yeah. it actually takes a language and adds dimensions yeah. and layers and understanding. And I just love it. Just love it. Oh, I, I do too. You know, you know, one of the first books I bought after a 
studying Hebrew language long enough to be decent at doing translation work. Mm-hmm. I can't remember the name of the book. It's something about coincidences. Now, mm-hmm. the Hebrews have a word for coincidence, and they their concept and the whole concept of this book is, by the way, I think uh, Chuck Missler teaches a lot about coincidences. Mm-hmm. And uh, But the concept is there are no coincidences in the Word of God. Hmm. You know, you read this way back here, and then, then you know, five books later, you read this, and it's like, yeah. oh, wait, wait a minute. <clears throat> Man, that, that's a coincidence, because this is really a lot <laughs> like this. No, it's not a coincidence. And I wish, and, and, that, and I'm just throwing the whole, uh, I'm just throwing a total wrench in this, but, and then throw in time. Like with God, yeah. he's not limited to time. We get so time thing that, oh, well, this happened 500 years ago. Yeah. We have to understand eternal things there's no time so that happens all at the same like it all works together it doesn't matter if there's anyway that was just a little side note well, but. no it's good because you stop and think all the prophecies uh most the majority of seminaries in the entire world will tell you that isaiah ezekiel and jeremiah you know were written by a bunch of different people they'll tell you that the torah was written you know, you know that that really it wasn't all written by moses and da 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 well, you know, if you say that, then not only are you denouncing the inspiration of the Word of God, but you're denouncing Jesus' teaching. Because Jesus tells you that there was one author of the Torah, and that was Moses as he connected to God. Jesus referred to Isaiah, you know, as, as Isaiah the prophet said this and this and this. So Jesus said, no, there weren't a bunch of different people over hundreds of years writing these these were prophecies that were written hundreds of years before they came to pass hmm. so you know you always look to jesus if he validates a concept it ain't no coincidence <laughs> ain't no co- uh, you know uh, he, he, he knows what he knows what he's talking about and we've got to take his word for it over these morons that probably aren't <laughs> even born again most of them uh, and they, they, they spend more time trying to convince you that the Word of God isn't inspired rather than trying to show you all the ways that you can absolutely know that it's inspired. Right, right. And so, so anyhow, uh, there are just, no, just no coincidences. Now, the, the ancient Hebrews, they had this. I don't know where this came from. I don't know if somebody felt like they got this from the Holy Spirit in prayer or prophecy. But they had, the ancients, they said, when the Messiah comes, he will define every word, he will define every letter, he will even define the spaces between the letters. Well, you know, the amazing thing is, here we are, we're able to do that today, but they still don't recognize that he was the Messiah. So anyhow, when Jesus started talking about the broad path to destruction and the narrow, uh, or the broad gate yeah, to destruction, right. the narrow gate yeah. to life. Mm-hmm. I guarantee you, these people weren't ignorant. They've been studying this stuff their whole life. Right, right. And they're sitting there saying, oh, that's the hey. Now, the hey is the fifth letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And the story, and by the way, in my, in my series, which is, I think it's on right now in Cyber Church, uh, about uh, the portal to his presence. Mm-hmm. And by the way, that they can get that through Live Transform if they want the mm-hmm. audio series. Mm-hmm. But uh, in, in my series, you know, I talk about the fact that that the first concept of portals mm-hmm. is right there in the first five letters of the Hebrew alphabet. Hmm. Because, you know, the, the Aleph, which is the first letter, 
And, and man, I'll tell you, I, I, I love, because I love all these letters, but I love the olive. I'm telling you, the olive gives you the starting place. And if you do not, because the Hebrew alphabet takes you through a story of how you arrive at experiential truth, right. not just not not just true information, but, but experiential, experiential truth. truth. Yes, yeah. life giving. As soon as but you say experience, there's life. Giving. Yeah, yeah. So, but it starts with the olive. Mm. Now, the olive is a yud, a vav, and a yud. Well, a yud represents a message from God. Mm-hmm. The vav represents man, and the 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 letter the vav is is a picture of a tent peg. Now, a tent peg is an anchor and a connector. And so anytime you see a valve anywhere, like, like, for example, if you see the valve in between two letters, then it's going to be like a conjunction and uh, or because a or you know, that, that sort mm-hmm. of thing. It's a connector. Right. Yeah. So but but it comes from the letter of man because man is supposed to primarily be the great connector hmm. between heaven and earth. Mm-hmm. And so the yud on top of the valve and the yud on the bottom of the valve represents the idea that man's job is to harmonize heaven and earth. Right. Would it and be so, too general to say um, man is the connector between the visible and the invisible? No, that would be that'd be okay. We should be because I think see First John says. You know, First John is going along there, and it seems like out of nowhere he suddenly he's talking about walking in love, and then all of a sudden he says, uh, "But no man has seen God." I remember when I was a young believer, I'm like, "Why'd you put this sentence right in here, in between all this about walking yeah, in love? Yeah. What has this got to do with it?" Yeah. Well, eventually I realized what it's got to do with it is man and the way we treat people as believers yeah. makes the invisible character and nature and love of God become visible to people who don't know the Bible and don't read. So, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Okay, okay. Because sometimes I yeah. think these heavenly concepts are invisible. A lot of them aren't tangible. They are. Yes, they are. Yeah, they're invi- they're visible through us. Like as a man in the middle is a connector. We get yeah. to make the invisible visible. Absolutely. And, and, and so, you know, part of the fruit of, of the Spirit, or all of the fruit of the Spirit, is really what, is the life and the character and the nature of God manifesting yeah. in the way we, what we're showing to the world? Yeah. So, it, and see, remember, when you get into righteousness, righteousness, man, it is so multidimensional. It has so much depth to it that uh, there are several key concepts to defining, interpreting righteousness that if you don't get them, you will just come up with some legalistic performance. Mm. But the but at the heart of righteousness, righteousness is about harmony, is about harmonizing our character and nature with the character and nature of Jesus, because he showed us what righteousness looks like. So if if we harmonize with God, then and and, and we want we want to manifest heaven on earth, then that starts with that intention, but then it moves to the next letter of the Hebrew alphabet, which is the bet. And the bet uh, is a picture of a heart or a house. Now, uh, anytime you see the word house, like, like when Jesus talked about, you know, if you build your house on the rock, mm-hmm. he's not just talking about building a house. He's talking about your heart. He's, mm-hmm. What is happening in your heart? What are you establishing uh, uh, 
your heart on as a basis. So if I'm if I'm establishing my heart on how Jesus represented God, then uh, then I'm I'm building my house on the rock. Yep. I'm always going to be stable. It does, and see this starts. We're already getting into how you'll never be deceived. And how, you know one of the ways that you never get deceived is build your house on the rock. And Jesus said in that parable, he said, he said, the person who builds his house on the rock is a person who hears my word and puts it into practice. Mm-hmm. The person who builds their house on the sand, see, they're not harmonizing. They hear my word, but they do not build their house on this foundation of, of my word. So they're not in harmony with me. Mm-hmm. So if I want to harmonize heaven and earth, and man, this is something, everybody that's listening to this that's called to the ministry, you listen to this. This is the most important thing. Don't worry about your ministry. I have never tried to build a ministry my whole life. I've, I have never cared about building a ministry. I think I, I've always thought that was carnal. I always thought that was somebody trying to feed their ego. All I ever concern myself with is building people. Mm-hmm. You know, am I helping people? Right. So that person that says, okay, I want to harmonize heaven and earth, then the first place that has to start is in your own heart. Because the question is, you can't harmonize heaven and earth if you are not harmonized in harmony with with Jesus. If you're not seeking to live as he lived, if you're not seeking to follow, you know, follow him as Lord, if you're not seeking to to walk this same path and come in harmony with him, then you can't, then you're out of harmony with heaven and you can't bring harmony. As a matter of fact, what you'll bring is, what you'll bring is confusion and, and, and godlessness and compromise and nonsense and religion and all that kind of stuff. So I want, I, I want to harmonize heaven and earth. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm starting with my own heart. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm starting with M M M I, and I'm not saying you got to be perfect to be in the ministry because I wouldn't be in the ministry if that was the case. But I'm just saying that has to be your path. That has to be your goal. That has to be your target. Because if, if Jesus is Lord, then you want to be like Him. You want to live like Him. And so, once you know, once that becomes the reality of your heart, the next letter of the Hebrew alphabet is the Gimel. And the Gimel is a is a picture of a of a camel. Mm. And the camel is thought of, uh, uh, and the camel represents loving kindness, uh, generosity, because the camel is what you would use to load up supplies and resources to take them to somebody that's in need. So one of one of the ways you recognize the that you have the fruit of truly wanting to harmonize heaven and earth is that you start produce you start having a passion to want to bring the life of God to the people around you you become that person you know uh, uh, some of the ancient writings about the gimel says that the gimel harmonizes the giver and the receiver the gimel loving kindness becomes uh, uh, where where the uh, giver and the receiver connect. But what's really interesting, every Hebrew letter has a light side and a dark side. And so a letter or a word can mean something really, really positive or can mean something really, really negative 
And you that's where you have to look at the context and mm. you have to look at all of these heart factors and other things to, to determine. Well, what's interesting, the Gimel warns against helping people in a way that will cripple them. In other words, codependent enabling. And so, so you know, we're not, God didn't call us to be codependent enablers to the world. God didn't call us to, to uh, 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 be socialists, humanists. God didn't call us to eliminate uh, people's personal responsibility for what they're, what they're going to do with, with their life. He called us to bring loving kindness that would help them come into harmony with heaven and earth. Yeah. Building, building people is utmost and foremost you know, let that be your motivation. But yeah. you know, it because then love is your fuel. Yeah. You know, it's 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 not that I'm looking because you're you're um, talking about these codependent you know relationships that we can develop. Then you know, then there's that ulterior motive of me looking. You know, what's yeah. what's in it in it for me here? Um, hmm. Jim harmonizing uh, heaven heaven and earth. Um, a lot of times people think or have the thought of they're afraid of being deceived. Am I yep. really hearing or am, mm -hmm. am I really connecting or am I just hearing and seeing only what I want to see or hear? Mm -hmm. And, uh, and you know, yep. this is the, you know, the questions that, uh, you know, people really, you know, have, you know, I don't want to be, you know, right. deceived. Right. And so, again, they they uh, waver in their ability to actually hear or discern, you yeah. know, the voice of the Lord. And there's there's just so much fear, you know, mm -hmm. behind that, you know, and that it would lead me to a, a, a to a destructive place. Am I sometimes hearing what I want to hear just out of my own selfishness? And, you know, one of the ways you guard against that is, what are you looking for when you read the Bible? Now, if you're looking to figure out what's right and wrong, you are fresh bait to be deceived. <laughs> because that really means you're going to judge the Word of God uh... on some level. You're going to judge the Word of God. If you're looking at how, how is the Holy Spirit showing me I need to apply what I'm seeing. Then, then you start reducing the probability because now this becomes about personal application and this comes about how you're living your life. And then remember, you back up to the fact that, you know, do, is your goal to harmonize yourself, to harmonize your life, and to harmonize this world with, with God? Yeah. You know, yes. Your kingdom come, your will be done, yes. earth is in heaven. So first of all, if you don't start there, you'll probably end up deceived. You'll probably end up pursuing. That's such a nice, clear, yeah. simple thing right there. The goal, yeah. the goal to harmonize my heart, my life, my world with, with yeah. God. Yeah. And so then the next thing is my heart. So how do I, how do I establish and harmonize my heart mm -hmm. with God? Well, Jesus is the exact representation yes. of God. Yes. You know, it says in the book of Hebrews first chapter it says in, you know, and divers times and whatever, 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 
It says God spoke to us through the prophets and through, I don't know if it says angels or whatever, but they says, but today he speaks to us through the son. Mm -hmm. God does not speak to you to reveal himself through anybody, through any prophet, through any prophecy, through any angel, through any anything. He, he If you want to know God, you have to know God through the son. So the question is, in my heart, and you know, I say this, all the time. I know people get sick of hearing me say this, but it's like you need to take a personal inventory. You need to you need to make a list of particularly your major doctrinal beliefs, and then you need to go back and check that list and say, did Jesus ever teach this? Did Jesus ever model this? And if he didn't, I have no right believing it because that means I am rebelling against the lordship of Jesus. That means I'm exalting my opinions. You know, like okay. Uh, the simplest thing: Do, uh, Does God test me? To you know, like I, I need to get healed, but God's going to probably test me. He's going to make me do something. Jesus never one time walked up to somebody that's sick and said, "You know what? If you'll quit smoking, I'll check on you next Thursday and heal you." You know what I mean? He never gave those kinds of conditions. See, we do not believe that Jesus is, as Hebrews one three says, and as many other scriptures and Colossians and other places, He is the exact. Representation, representation of God. Yeah. He is the Word, which is the Logos, which means it's not just the informational Word. It's, it's the Word. It's the character behind the Word. It's the logic of the Word. It's the understanding of the Word. He is the only place. I, can, so I can't read the Scriptures and get the Logos. Hmm. Hmm. I love that. He's the exact I can read the Scriptures looking at Him and saying, how did you do this, Jesus? Hmm. What did you do when this woman, you know, was caught in adultery. Yeah. What did you yes. do, you know, when, when this person did this or that? And so if, if my doctrines, but even more than that, if my behavior is not in harmony with, with Jesus, I'm already deceived. Hmm. And so you need to take a personal inventory on a regular basis. Yeah. How do you do you that? Know, when I got, How do you? Go ahead. I'm, I'm sorry. This, I'm on such a roller. Y'all got to make sure I, I don't just roll over you yeah, yeah no I'm, no, I'm no we know how to interrupt you know? baby we know how to interrupt but i'm not scared of interrupting but how when you say that just you you just jumped over that but i want to just highlight yeah. underscore you need to take personal inventory like what do you mean by that you know when i um when i got healed of my kidney disease and it was a process mm -hmm. actually almost i mean I, you know i have i've had some instantaneous healings uh uh but as far as like when you're dealing with when, when you're at the edge of death and you're you're hanging on for your life and every emotion is you know you know has been winning the battle for so long and and every time you try to pray through your you know your your uh, you're confessing the word of god and you got physical pains and uh yeah, that must not be true then <laughs> you know mm -hmm. so when everything in you is like this is real i'm gonna die yeah then you know you you've really got to move past that and, and that's a process of persuading your heart. And that's that's what the prayer organizer is all about. Persuade your persuade heart. Persuade your heart, yes. So I, I've told this story before, but there was one morning I kind of felt decent. It was one of the first time in months that I'd felt, you know, halfway decent. So I thought I'm, I'm going to go out and go for a walk, which is something I was usually too weak to do. And so I went out and I and I walked, a few, you know, a few blocks. And I was just walking down the road, and I was talking to God. And, I was just, and so I started saying, Father, I thank you. You know, I'm being transformed into your likeness because I see you as you are. And, and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit 
He said, you don't see me as I am. And I'm like, what? Where did that come from? And I'm like, Father, I think I, I do see you as you are. I'm pursuing you. I'm looking at the Bible. And he said, second time, he said, you don't see me as I am. And I'm like, man, I have refused to give in to religion. I have swam upstream my whole journey with you. I have, I have been persecuted. I have been criticized. I have been lied about. I have had people try to destroy me, try to destroy my ministry, just because I refuse to play the religious games, you know. And and so the third time when he said it to me, he said it different. He said, he said in some areas you don't see me as I am. You see me as you have been persuaded. To see me. Hmm. So I literally dropped on my knees right on the wow. sidewalk. Seven o'clock rush hour morning. I know people thought, what the heck is that guy doing over there? I'm over on my knees yeah. praying with my hands lifted up, crying. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, okay. Oh. I'm, you know, I, I'm going to discover what this means. I will go home and, and you yeah. know, and, and lock myself up. And I used to do that. I would, man, my Brenda, Brenda was so patient. Most women would never I put up with the kind of stuff I did. If I got something on my heart, I might lock myself up and not see my family for a week. Wow. And they would know I was in there fasting and praying and in that room. And Brenda was always great about making sure the kids didn't bother me. It would be like your dad's praying. Don't knock on the door. Don't go up there and play downstairs, play outside, but wow. you, can't play, you can't play up there. And so she would always give me whatever space I needed mm-hmm. to be able to seek God. Mm-hmm. But, but let me just say this little parentheses. But one of the things that that produced was when I heard from God, I knew I heard from God. And, and and Brenda would tell people, she would say, there's a lot of places I don't always trust what Jim says. You know, I don't always trust that he's really got the answer. She said, but I'm telling you this, if he ever says he's heard from God, she says, that's the end of the discussion because I trust him. I mm. trust him when he says he's heard from God. And that was why so many of the radical things that I have done that she was able to walk through it with me because yeah. she trusted yeah. you know, that I heard yeah. God. Yeah. So I get back home that day, and man, I'm exhausted. Like I said, because I mean, I I was I was in bad. I, you know, my I was down to about 160, 165 pounds. Just you know, stunk with the the antibiotics and stuff that would come out my pores. I mean, it was just horrible. It was like it was like being a leper. And uh, so I go to sleep, and I have this dream. And in this dream, you, you know how. You guys are probably old enough to remember this. A lot of people listen to this aren't. But you remember how they, they would have these little books. They're like little stick figures. And you could thumb through the books. And as the pages would come by real yes. fast, it would look like they were walking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, like animation. Or, or, yeah, like animation. Yeah. yeah. So in this dream, it was like I saw a book with the pages flipping by that yeah, fast. Yeah. And I revisited every church service I had ever been from the day I, I first went to church. Really? Saw, saw every one of them. And what stood out to me primarily were the altar calls. Hmm. Now, by the time you get down to an altar call, in most churches, emotions are pretty high. So remember, when you, to write something on your heart, it always happens in a combination of emotions and information. Mm-hmm. And the stronger the emotions, the easier information gets written on your heart. Yeah. Because you're, ex- you're It's like you're emotionally it. charged. It's like there's yeah. just extreme amount of power there. Yeah. 
So what what I saw was how many times people would be down at the altar to get healed or to, you know, whatever. And you would see the prerequisites or the conditions that the preacher would put on them. And so, like, you know, somebody might go down and get baptized with the Holy Spirit and, and the preacher would say, you quit smoking and come back next week and I'll pray for you. Or you know what I mean? There, there would always be these conditions. Hmm. Now, intellectually, I knew in those services that I didn't believe that. And intellectually, uh, I said, nope, you know, they're off track. But because there was a high level of emotion and you were hearing that information, it would start influencing your heart. And by the way, this is one of the reasons you do not want to be in environments that do not stick to the Word of God, the goodness of God, all this kind of stuff, because you will subconsciously start developing subconscious ideas that will morph their way into beliefs. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so I saw all of these conditions that I had been exposed to for all these years in various churches. And, and, uh, and the Lord said, this is what you have been influenced to believe. And you put you mm. have put conditions or pre mm. you know you know preconditions on me that I didn't put on you. By the way, this is where the book this is where my book Taking the Limits of God came from. Really? Oh yeah, because you know you know one one of the main place we see limits put on Jesus was the woman with the issue of blood. Right. The woman with the issue of blood, she created in her own mind a qualifying factor or a precondition that said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, then I, I'll get then healed. Then I will receive. If I do this, I will yeah. receive. Now, the problem is, whatever conditions you put on yourself, those have to be met or your heart will not let you heal. That's why people who, who live in guilt about anything from their past struggle with getting healed. It's not because God won't heal them. It's because they have a precondition, you know, that I've got to, I got to resolve this. You know, I get, got to get over this shame or, or, or whatever. And if they don't do that, and by the way, you cannot do that on, a, on an intellectual level. You have to do that at a heart level. And also it's not, and healing is just one of many things that we put yeah. our pre preconditions on ourselves. Um, when you said that we have put our conditions on ourselves of until I do this, then I'll get oh. that provision or that promise or that um, answer or that no. solution. And I think this is so valuable to take inventory. Like I started with yeah. this question of inventory. Have Do you see Jesus as he is and have you persuaded your heart no. in his goodness? Or even a simpler way just might be to say, what are the things I think I need to do yeah. to get my prayers answered? Or, okay, I mean, you know that, what I mean? that's a really get, great because you, said, you said it. What you said was accurate and just right. But let's get this real it. functional. Yeah, let's seriously get this real functional. functional. Yeah. What are the, the things I need to do to, what did you say, oh, Jim? Get my prayers answered. Get my prayers answered. To get my prayers answered or to get healed. Whatever it is I'm yeah. facing that doesn't yeah. seem to be working out. What conditions have I put on myself? God, you know, I don't think God put these on me, but I put them. Here's another idea. Stop thinking about this. Now, I think, I think there's aspects so sometimes I would like for us, you know, if we were still out doing meetings together, it would be great, and I would drive you crazy, but it would be really, really great 
for the three of us to be sitting on the stage like we used to do, I, mm -hmm. but this time I'd be sitting between you. Mm -hmm. And you you both would start telling the story of how y'all's marriage almost blew up and, and what and and your journey back. And what I would I tell you what I would love to do, and this would this would take like a whole series. This would be a six, you know, a six message audio series. What I would like to do is that everything you said, I would like to say, okay, let's talk about what condition you took off of yourself here. Huh. What prerequisite did you change here? Yeah, like just from because, that perspective. Yeah. Because we don't do it, but so stop and think about it. But and here's where this gets important. What if, what if somebody had gone through what you had gone through, right? Where their spouse, you know, had been unfaithful, and so in your heart you will say, "I, I don't, I don't think I'll ever be able to love them again until thus and so happens." You know what? You'll never have to love them again until thus and so happens because you have authority. Yeah, you do. You made that over decision. yourself. Yeah, yes, you have. You know, the concept of making a decision, biblically speaking, based on the, the Hebrew language, is an exercise of authority. Yes, it is. And so every time you make a decision about anything, you're exercising your authority over you. Yes. And on a very small scale, we do it every day because, I mean, I started with that sunrise walk I had, but I made a decision that I have nothing to worry about. Yeah. Like I, I, that was as simple as it was. There was a couple things like, Ooh, some unknowns here. And then with that assurance, I ate up that insurance. And then I made a decision and took the authority to say, I have nothing to worry about because I've experienced no. Jesus this morning. And no. he said, good morning. You know, Absolutely. he said, hello. And I'm, I'm good. <clears throat> so anyhow, you know, when I came back from, when I came back from that walk and I had that dream, now see this again, this is where the prayer organizer was so powerful because when I would begin to see these things, I would have to take all of this stuff back to Jesus. This would be like me doing a personal inventory saying, I have made a prerequisite and, and I might not even know what it was. Sometimes I'd have to meditate to even see what, you know, what it was, uh, the specifics of it. But uh, so I want to remove anything. So there's one mediator between God and man. Now we don't, I don't think we think about that as literally and as pervasive as it really is. Mm -hmm. There's we have one meter, I mean one mediator about everything. This isn't just about how I get born again. This just isn't, you know, some particular area of spirituality. There is one mediator, and the moment I go to anybody anything else and make it a prerequisite, I have now put another mediator between me and God. And on some level, I am saying Jesus wasn't enough. Hmm. That's pretty scary. Yeah. So, so I want to remove all of the obstacles that I have put between me and God. And by, by the way, I really, you talk about a short read and people ask me a lot of time, they say, what's a good book to get people kind of moving this journey uh, taking the limits off God. It, it, anybody from any background can read that and not be offended. I mean, if they get offended by that book, there uh, they need they need a demon cast out of them. They need to be chained up somewhere in prison. I don't know what, but anyhow, <laughs> and they can get that book through Live Transform right. through, through your your website. So, so uh, uh, I want to come to God, and and we don't we don't consciously do this, and we're. And this is this is where we're going to end up talking about what does it actually look like to consciously come to God 
with Jesus being the primary factor or the only factor, not, not primary factor, but the only factor. See, all of the other factors, if I, you know, cussed somebody out last week, now that can affect my conscience. But the question is, is my conscience more supreme than Jesus? Because I can go, I can, I can acknowledge that Jesus died and has already died for that sin. I can acknowledge that. And I, and I can experience the blood of Jesus being applied to my conscience. And, and I can free myself from the guilt about that. But still, see, we take all these things that are affecting our conscience, and they should, because that's how we keep getting a hard yes, heart. Is yes. When something affects our conscience, we deal with it. Yeah. But they don't really affect our, if you will, entering through the portal to experience God personally. Jesus is enough. Hmm. And 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 yet we got to deal with it. And this is where when, when we take the camel through the eye of the needle, yeah. mm -hmm. we got to unpack all the baggage because the, the camel can, and that's the gimel. <laughs> yep. the, the, the goodness of God cannot move through this portal. And I'm I'm using, you know, figurative speech speech here uh, to, to describe something, though, that is real on a very, very specific level. But the camel, the gimel, can't get through the eye of the needle if all my baggage is on him. Yeah. Right. And that is such a great visual. Like that gives us such a uh, clear understanding that if I don't get rid of this, then I can't get through that portal because it really yeah. is how I see Jesus. Yeah. And it's not, it is not God. The size of the needle, the size of the eye of the needle. I've heard all kinds of scholars debate about, well, this was a pass, a passage up in the mountains. Other people say, no, this is, this is the little door that they put in the gate, you know, of the city. Yeah. I mean, I've heard all kinds of, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. That's not but the here's point. What I can t here's what I can tell you is this. The size of the eye of the needle is all about uh, the degree to which you look to your conscience to determine what you are qualified for hmm. with God wow. or what, what you're disqualified for. So you make the eye of the needle smaller and smaller wow. and smaller as you put the limits on God and disqualify yourself mm -hmm. because you're really just saying Jesus is not enough. So this week is the foundation. Yeah. Next yeah. week, next week we're going to, man, we're going to jump on the functional. Yes. Good. Yes. Good. Jim, thank you. And for, you know, all of us, I think this would be a, a great week, you know, just to kind of take some personal inventory for yourself and just, you know, don't go ever into that places of self-condemnation, mm -mm. No, but just what kind of, you know, prerequisite prerequisites, you know, <laughs> what kind of conditions have I placed on myself or even on God? Oh in order for his realities to truly become mine. If I'm really that that conduit or that connection of bringing heaven on earth, you know, why mm -hmm. am I not experience heaven like I thought I should yeah. or would? Yeah. And so I, I'm looking forward to next week because, again, we'll take it that next step. But now, this week, you have the opportunity just to simply, you know, just take inventory. Yeah. It's okay. and uh, and But we're going to be able to put those off 
Yeah. Yep. And, and I loved how we had some um, personal inventory about the size of the needle. Like that last thing that you just yep. said is that it's the degree that I look to my conscience to decide what I'm already qualified for. That says that I get to be involved with this as far as the degree yep. of, of getting through the portal. Oh, yeah. It Actually, there's nothing left for God to do. There's nothing left for Jesus to do. There is just us to decide, yeah. do we believe the truth about Jesus <laughs> yes. and what he did yes. more than we believe this guilt that, that we're dealing yeah, with? Yeah, I love that. Next week, we're going to get functional, you guys. Yep. <laughs> Apparently, we'll find out what functional means when it comes to this. That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Functional is our next step, but you are qualified. Just let that speak to your heart. You are assured. You have assurance and you are qualified. Love it. Thanks so much for joining us. Mm -hmm. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>